Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, I wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is a show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. And today we'll be discussing the film Sliding Doors. And joining us today is our special guest, Jess Patel. So welcome, Jess. Hey, Jess. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Jess, we're very excited to chat with you this morning. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? That's a great question. I wish I had like a a succinct answer to that. It's okay. okay. This is a podcast. That's right. It depends on the day, but I really, I'm a producer primarily in television, although I I also do work in film. And then more recently, I have been transitioning into directing. So I've done a couple of uh, personal films and I also create comic books. So it's a little bit of everything every day. Uh, Right now I'm, I am working on a couple television series as a producer and I am pitching myself as a director on a couple of films. So it's been kind of a, yeah, an exciting, exciting time for me right now. That's fantastic. Can you tell us about any of the specific projects you worked on? Yeah. When I started working in LA after I graduated from IU, I worked on The Simpsons and oh. that was really great. I was an executive assistant, my first assistant gig. So I was there for almost four years, but it was a really exciting time because it was right as digital was kind of starting to um, happen. And um, we were also, they were in the process of putting out their first DVDs and putting out their first Simpsons website. And I think as the girl who had just come out of school, it was like, oh, she knows the internet. (laughs) (laughs) So I think as, as a lot of things happen in creative careers, you just kind of stumble into cool yeah. stuff. And um, I really felt like that was uh, my experience working there. And then I actually came back to Indiana and I produced a couple of films with some of my uh, IU friends. And that led me into commercials and digital. And, you know, and then I worked in music videos. And really when I started to like decide, okay, I need to hone in on like, what is my passion? I've had all these experiences. Um, I decided, I was like, I want to work in television. I want to work in one hour drama. I want to work in the biggest television show I can. And so I went to another IU alum whose name is Katie Krentz, who was working at Fox at the time. And I said, hey, if you hear of anything, let me know. And an assistant job opened up on the show 24, oh, uh, which yeah. was like the biggest show. Yeah, at I that love time. that show. I was huge. Huge fan. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I worked as an assistant for a year on the show 24. And after that, it was the final season. Everybody was going on to different shows. And I ended up going on to Hawaii Five-0. Ooh. That was kind of where my television producing career kind of started and and uh, where I really started to get to play in the big leagues. And that was basically like, you know, me 10 years ago. So since then, I've had the opportunity to work on, you know, several series, travel, you know, extensively and have incredible gratitude for being a part of the creative process that I've, I've been able to see. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Simpsons. My brother's a huge Simpsons fan. So <laughs> everybody's a huge Simpsons yeah. fan. How is being an assistant on something like the Simpsons different than being an assistant on something like 24? Well, you know, my 
breadth of experience <laughs> was much different <laughs> Very at that different. point. And, you know, it was kind of interesting because at the time when I went, you know, to be an assistant on 24, I had already been producing and I, independently and I'd been working kind of in smaller budgets. So while it took me a minute to be like, well, is this step back before I like, you know, realize like, of course it's not. <laughs> it's every experience, every job is what you make it. Mm. And that's something that I've really learned along the way. You know, one of the things that I think when I was at the Simpsons, you know, I started to get more opportunities because it was like, it, it, you build on things like I was like, okay, I could get the coffee, I could get the dry clay, I could do those things. And then it was like, okay, we'll give her more, give her more. And that's something that I just always like, you know, held on to. So I think that's kind of like assisting kind of helped me transition into producing. And then when I went to work at 24, everyone working there had known that I had producing experience, uh, even though it was not at that level. I came in like completely open saying, I will do anything. Can I, like, I literally, there were days, like I would work in the office all day. I would, you know, take a, a sleep at my desk and I would go out to set in Long Beach until my boss was like, no, no, you have to go home because <laughs> like, you need to be in the office in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that to me was like, I got to know production really well because it was such a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And so, I mean, the Simpsons was too. So that like, it was so great working on those types of shows, but yeah. you know, being a well-oiled machine, there was really nothing I could like mess up. Like if I could just stay in the zone. So every week I would make it my point to spend some time in accounting, spend some time with the prop department. You know, like I literally yeah. like used it as like my grad school, like, okay, this is, I'm going to take everything I've learned and I'm going to pour myself into this show. And I would, I, I literally, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for it because I made lifelong friendships mm -hmm. and, you know, just people that still, I have the opportunity to work with that came out of that experience. So no job is too small. Right. Nothing is, is a back step if you feel like it's something personally you can learn. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Even just being in a different setting, like you had the skills, but like taking them to the, kind of the next level or next, like scaling it up almost to on a bigger show. Yeah. And so many people go through the steps of paying your dues, right? Being an assistant or being a PA, then moving on to projects like music videos and commercials and stuff like that and eventually graduating the tv and film and stuff like that and that sounds very much like your path is that pretty much accurate yeah uh, you know and even like i think just having a taste of so many different things yeah. i feel like i can hop into things very easily like because i still like i love i love just having a camera in my hand and shooting something. And, you know, like uh, my husband is also in the business and we met on 24. Uh, oh, so that was cool. another good thing. Ah. <laughs> Although we didn't start dating until much later. Yeah. But, um, but I think that, you know, when you, you know, being married to a creative person too, it's like, we're always doing things like we just love taking our camera out uh, or, you know, we have some drones or take, you know, taking our small drones out, shooting, whatever we can. And I think that type of stuff, like it's a good measure because it's like your passion is really what keeps you going here. Like, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> you know, like there's been hard times. Like there's been like, how am I going to pay my rent month? Yeah. You know, and now it's like, I, I always like think about that because I'm like, even in those hard times, like the only thing I wanted to do is this. Yeah. 
that's, awesome. That's great. So can you tell us about your path for this career? Like how you uh, got started, like what you did in like high school or college, maybe I know you went and you're an IU alum. So could you tell us about your path to where you ended up now? Yeah, I mean, I'm from uh, Cherubusco, Indiana, ah. which is uh, Turtle Town, USA, yes. near Fort <laughs> near Fort Wayne. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I have no connection to the entertainment industry. And in fact, I mean, I think when I said to my parents that this was something I wanted to do, it was like they were always supportive, but they were very much like, you know, okay, well. Um, like, cause at the time I was a theater major, mm -hmm. you know, at IU yeah. and they were like, we're too totally supportive. Like if you, I don't, I don't necessarily think I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. Right. And um, fortunately, like the theater department has just like a well-rounded curriculum. So you, you learn a little bit of everything as well. But I, you know, at IU kind of was like, I want to, I, I, I was in the theater department and kind of the telecommunications as it was called then um, department was right. looking interesting. And my parents were really like, we're going to, we're totally supportive of you in this creative career, but will you get like another degree? <laughs> like, <laughs> even if it right. means like you have to stay longer, like we're totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. So I ended up um, hopping into the communicate telecommunications my sophomore year. And so I ended up getting uh, uh, graduating as a double major and I'm so glad I did because, you know, there was a production management course that I took in communications, which was the first time I was like, oh, I think maybe I could be a producer. Like, that seems like, you know, <laughs> sounds like that this person kind of helps the creative and helps the bottom line. Yeah. So I think that was like my first kind of recognition of that. Mm -hmm. But that was really like my path and my Indiana University alums were like my like network. I mean, I didn't know anybody. We didn't know anybody. And so we all just hung out together like all the time. And through that process, we started an alumni group called the Hollywood Hoosiers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was um, just kind of like, that was such a lifeline <laughs> because yeah. we were like, all these places have their like NYU and USC, like they're all like, they've got their groups. Like mm -hmm. we want to have our group. And so we just started like, trying to identify all the Hoosiers that were out there. Sometimes it was just because we all ended up at the same bar to watch a basketball game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, that really was a game changer for me because I know personally, I never wanted somebody to feel the way I felt when I got there. Like, lost <laughs> right yeah. you know i wanted to i wanted somebody to somebody who was like me to be like like we're welcome welcome yeah. thanks for coming <laughs> that's yeah. amazing i love so we've talked to we've had other guests who've talked about hollywood hoosiers and i just love it because one it's so midwest to have this group in la be like yeah come on we'll help you out like <laughs> i love that <laughs> totally. but also just so cool that there's a network because we've talked to other guests from the Midwest and they're like, you know, Hollywood felt really far away. Entertainment felt far away. It didn't, it didn't feel like an accessible field growing up in Indiana or Illinois or Michigan. Um, and so it's just great that there's a group of people kind of built in to be like, Hey, you went to IU. Like, you know, we all did too. Like, let's hang out, like, you know, form, like form some genuine relationships and figure out how we can help each other. I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And as someone who did study telecom at IU, yeah. I fully appreciate that, uh, that <laughs> history, Jess. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great. Hey, we, you know, it, it's so amazing when you look like, even when I look back and even looking forward and what IU is doing right now, um, it's so 
wonderful just to see what kind of world-class curriculum we actually yeah. have, yeah. you know, and, and, um, it's, and I actually appreciate that it's a little under the radar, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's something yeah. about that too, that makes it really special and, and continues to make that anytime I meet a Hoosier, I'm like, yeah. Oh, let's be friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know you wear a couple different hats, but what is a day-to-day like for a producer versus a day-to-day like for a director? Um, well, it depends too if I'm in production or not. Right now I'm not in production. So uh, a lot of what I've been spending my days doing as a producer, I guess, and as a director is just really working on projects that I'm passionate about and trying to get some some of the projects that I've like I've been you know, fostering over the last few years off the ground. So my days right now are a lot of general meetings uh, from the directing side of things, you know, meeting executives, trying to kind of get my name out there. And also, you know, working on projects that I feel like I can continue to hone my voice, because I think that's something that is an important thing when you're a director with whether you're going in as a work for hire on like a television series, or, you know, you're trying to uh, just get some content made that is really personal to you. And so, you know, for me, when I'm, when I'm in production, it's harder, like if I'm working on a series, it's like seven days a week, you know, 16 hour days, like it's pretty relentless, the series schedule. So in a way, if I take any positive from the COVID pause, it got me out of production for a while. And, you know, it gave me the opportunity to to look at some of the things I was excited about, watch more television, watch more movies, like, you know, read more, (laughs) uh, you know, and just try to continue to figure out what I want to make and what I want, like what stamp I want to leave in the industry. So yeah, it's a lot of Zoom meetings these days. <laughs> Still, <laughs> are you able to talk about the Hollywood Hoosiers scholarship? Oh yeah, yeah. I have like a really big family, and yeah. I'm super close to my family. So my husband and I are also Canadian. Okay. Uh, my husband's Canadian. Yeah. I'm now Canadian because yeah. I married him, <laughs> and, and that's worked out really well because there's a lot of production in Canada right now. Yeah. So yeah. we find ourselves working a lot more in Toronto. Um, so during the pandemic, when we were kind of really missing, you know, family and home, we actually did buy a place in Indianapolis. Oh, cool. Okay. So we have like our little like flag planted here as well right. as in LA <laughs> yeah. where my husband's daughter is. So, uh-huh. so it's been really nice just to be back here. And I've been able to go back and forth to the university a bit yeah. more and, and be involved in the tax incentives that have oh, yeah. passed. <laughs> so that's something really exciting that's coming up for the state of Indiana. But the Hollywood Hoosiers scholarship is something that we, the media school had talked to uh, me about, like, you know, for the past few years. And we've been just trying to kind of find the right time for it. And this was the time for it. You know, we really were excited kind of coming out of this, this time to just like, okay, how can, you know, we do something, my husband and I really wanted to do something, um, you know, for the university or for for the media school. And so this was just like a great way to kind of be full circle. And um, yeah, so the Hollywood Hoosier Scholarship, this is the first one that's going to be um, given out and we're committing to do it uh, for the next several years. Awesome. We're also, um, you know, we've got a, an actual link, um, which I can send uh, oh, yeah, to you definitely. guys that yeah. it has so other people can contribute because it's certainly oh, not awesome. something that 
Right. Like we're, we're start getting it started, but right. my hope is that other Hoosiers, you know, other Hollywood yeah. Hoosiers will jump in and yeah. will kind of help support it. And the great thing is like, we know we can give one scholarship a year, but we can give as many scholarships yeah. a year as we have the funding for. Right. So, right. so that's something that, you know, I hope really um, we'll be, we'll be able to start kicking off as this first one gets administered, I guess. Yeah being able to like come back and give back like that is very cool and just very like encouraging and it just strengthens that connection it makes people like students in indiana be like oh you know this is a career i can pursue yeah just because not a lot of movies are coming to indiana to film doesn't mean there's not a strong connection with hollywood and the entertainment industry so. no definitely and i know for me like i worked like you know i had a work study job i worked yeah. two jobs yeah. Like every, every scholarship matters. Yes. Every little bit that I can yeah. put towards my education matters. Yeah. So it's a real full circle event for me to be able to, <laughs> yes, that's to so be cool. able to give back. Yeah. That's and wonderful. to make it so much more accessible. What are some differences between directing film versus TV? I think the big difference between directing television and directing film is that when you're directing television, you know, the writer showrunner is really like they are the vision the visionary of the show so when you're a director you're really coming in to put your stamp on it but mostly to service the vision of the showrunner mm -hmm. so it's something that you know there are obviously uh, writer directors in television as well who can do it all which is i can't imagine that <laughs> sounds <laughs> Sounds terrifying, <laughs> um, but I think um, as director in television, you really are coming in to, to service the creative vision mm -hmm. and to try to make sure that, you know, it's a, it's a lot more scheduling and it's a lot more kind of like, you know, having to make your days and there's, it's, it's a, kind of a different criteria um, that you have to kind of uphold. Whereas I think in film, while that may still hold true about making your days and scheduling and everything. A lot of times the director is the, the they are the visionary of it as opposed to maybe the writer is as much or that collaboration shifts a bit. So like for me in the films that I've made, um, the short films that I've made, which is all good. Um, I made a short film called Ellie and Sam and Age of Dysphoria. Those are all very personal projects to mm -hmm. me. So like my first film, all good. Uh, we shot one in one night at wow. a hotel. Like you know, we shot it in one night. It was we all had pneumonia. Oh no! <laughs> and oh, no. It was like we all had pneumonia, and I was getting ready to leave to um, go to New Zealand to work on Shannara Chronicles. Oh, so goodness. it was like it was now or never. Yeah. And so we did it, and yeah, it was a one night shoot, and we just. And I didn't really tell anybody I was doing it because for me, it was about the having the creative experience, yeah. seeing if this was something I wanted to do. Yeah. And if it was a space that I wanted to take up personally, yeah. because I have such great respect for directors mm -hmm. that I just was like, if I'm going to pursue this, I better be sure. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's where all good came from. Um, my good friend, Victory Palmasano wrote it. And uh, we, who, she's also a producer. So it was like two producers oh. kind of putting on our writer director cool. hats. And, um, and it was just, I remember after that night, you know, when that was finished filming and going home and literally like, I could not sleep. I was just like, yeah, whatever it takes, I have to replicate this feeling. Like yeah. this is the coolest thing ever. 
<laughs> and I, having been so close to the process for so long as a producer, yeah. it, it gave me like a, a different insight, you know, yeah. <laughs> into yeah, the sure. process, which I loved. And so then that really is where I got hooked. And I was like, okay, I love producing. And um, it's something I think will always inform my directing as well. Like, and I'm glad I have that experience, but um, as I'm pushing more into directing and film is something that is kind of in my mind right now, it's like, I'm just having a lot of fun really exploring what that means and, and, you know, how I can bring something unique into the space. That's cool. fantastic. You know, we were able to watch All Good. Yeah, and Age of Dysphoria. Yes, yeah. uh, before our, our show today, and they were both phenomenal. And I loved uh, All Good in particular. I mean, the writing was so, great. Yeah. Uh, the acting was fantastic. And, mm. I mean, you did a phenomenal job directing it. You just, We really enjoyed it, it so really, yeah. well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's such an honest, funny yes. story. Um, but it's just like, oh, God, like, what is what's happening right now? Um, but I love it. And it was, you know, just a very quick story, but a very it was it was a very full story. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was very impressive. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, really impressed we did it in one night. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. I'm always impressed when people, like, found a couple of people, and they're like, yeah, I shot this in two weeks. I'm like, what? <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess that's where my TV experience really that's comes true. in. That's true, yeah. Like, you know, we're shooting yeah. 10 pages in a day. It's right. like, yeah. okay, like, I came prepared, and I had right. good actors, yeah. and yeah, the we acting knew what we wanted, and yeah. we, we all kind of pushed for it. Awesome. Yeah, you have to come in with a real plan. Yeah, to have that kind of a schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, TV is great prep for that because that's such a tight schedule too. So. Right. So you mentioned that you're a second unit director. For the folks who don't know who listen to the show, what is a second unit director and why are they important? Well, as a second unit director, you oftentimes get the material from the film that doesn't fit anywhere on the schedule for the main unit director. Okay. So in this case, um, you know, we were one of the very first films, the film's Trigger Point, and you can uh, find it on Hulu in the U.S., but it's an action film and we made it during COVID. So it's the story on that is bananas because we were one of those productions that were seriously like we were on our tech survey, like and our tech surveys, like it's the final time all the crew comes out and, and scouts the locations before you start filming. And we were on our tech survey right before COVID. <laughs> oh my God. So we like the next day came into the office and we're gearing up to go to camera in the next yeah. like week. And um, we were kind of all sent home for two weeks. Mm -hmm. We'll see how it goes right. yeah. from there. And as we all know, yeah. that didn't happen. And so we were uh, all prepped for this project. And during, during the kind of the pause, because our production came back in September, October, we were one of the first features to come back in um, Toronto. Oh. And it was, uh, you know, safety obviously being uh, the number one priority when we're coming back, uh, but also, you know, keeping in mind that like, we had already had a crew, had things going and then had to stop. And so we had to basically rehire as many crew as we could. And like, we wow. had to have, new, there were new crew that came in sure. and um, because they had other commitments, it, you know, it was just one of those 
really kind of uh, disorienting experiences that I hope not to repeat again, but we got through it. Yeah. And, right. um, and that led it leads into like, you know, as a second unit director, like I was responsible for taking a lot more response, like a lot more onto my plate than before, just because of the way that the units had to split up um, and had to stay split for a certain amount of the production for safety and, you know, for COVID yeah. uh, reasons. So a second unit director on this film, I became like more of the action unit director and having mm -hmm. produced a lot of action, that was um, incredible. My husband, Brad Turner, who directed the film is also very well known for his <laughs> experience yeah. directing action. So it's incredibly intimidating because professionally, <laughs> I want to succeed and yeah. personally, I don't yeah. want to disappoint him. <laughs> so, um, so we did spend a lot of time, like I, you know, had a lot of time to storyboard with him because we were in, we're in the same pod and, <laughs> and we were able to work yeah. together. And, um, and then what I was able to do, we worked it out so that I could go out and um, shoot a previs. And so a previs is essentially like when the stunt people, or in this instance, the stunt people were going out to do a, a rehearsal and I was given permission to go and film the rehearsal so that we could work together on all of Great. the the particulars so i knew i wasn't going to be able to uh be on the other units uh you know while we were filming so i filmed a previs that was basically like this is the whole thing <laughs> this is exactly what we want to do and then i got notes on that so by the time i went to shoot i was doing exactly what the director needed for the show I had it storyboarded in some instances. I had it, you know, I, I had recorded it. I did everything that I possibly could to make sure that the lines of communication um, were open. And then, so my job was to do like a lot of the stuff that blows up and a lot of yeah. the, All the fun stuff. people yeah. falling off the building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the dark alley like i got all that stuff which yeah, yeah it's great so <laughs> i i don't know if that answers your question but i hope it does. yeah 100 yeah. i love it <laughs> okay if we want to talk about reburn more for people who don't know it is a comic book how does working on that compare to like directing because they're both very visual you storyboard and directing i feel like comics lend themselves really well to filmmaking totally yeah. yeah you absolutely nailed it for me that was what was so exciting like my um so going back to the Simpsons and I think this is a, a a reason that you know wherever you start it's like like I always say this to it uh when I talk at, at IU is like look to the person to the right look to the person to the left you may not know them you may not be friends but I guarantee when you're out in LA you're gonna need each other yeah <laughs> for moral support and yes. maybe more down the line yeah. and my friend Allison Shelton who's the creator of Reburn uh, we were assistants together at oh, the Simpsons cool. Yeah, and oh we gosh. always kind of maintained this really nice relationship. And she had shown me a script um, back then, like when we were assistants. And it was kind of in the same vein of Reburn now. Yeah. Uh, and I remember just thinking, this is the coolest thing. Like, I love this. This is like a $100 million movie. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> and had a female protagonist. Yeah. That wasn't really happening, you know, mm -hmm. then, you know, as much. And, um, but I always just loved the script. So when Allison brought me the feature script, you know, years later, and it was kind of from a different character's perspective, I was, I felt the same way. I'm like, this is so good. Like, yeah. and at that time, I had just come off of working on a, a series for Netflix called The V Wars. 
So I had been starting to work on series with um, comic IP or different, you know, things like that, books and whatnot. So I actually said to her, like, hey, do you want to turn this into a comic? Like, would that be of interest yeah. to you to turn this into a comic? And unbeknownst to me, uh, her and her husband were big comic fans. Oh, cool. So that works <laughs> out. Started. That's kind of how it started. And then I started asking people that I knew like, Hey, how do I make a comic book? And it was that simple. Like I literally was like, I just started asking people like, how do I do this? And, um, we had put a proposal together pre COVID and that proposal was like, we're ready to go. We're going to take it out to traditional publishers. And, um, and then when everything closed down, we found ourselves with time on our hands and this really cool proposal so we decided to kind of continue to move it forward ourselves mm-hmm. um, during that process. Yeah. So, you know, Reburn is basically the story of this woman named May who has been kind of locked away uh, at this point. Uh, she is uh, kind of, she has children in the unity, which is the this really um, kind of dystopic place that she helped her, herself, she helped create. Um, but once her partner there, who's another woman named Hope, like saw that she was getting too powerful, she kind of locked her away. And we are finding her kind of at that moment when a lot of her children are coming of age and they decide that it's time to, to find her and bring her back into the fold. So it was just the whole story. It was so great. And we ended up doing a Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and doing extremely well. And it allowed us the opportunity to to really kick the series off and now we're now we're on our third and fourth issues mm-hmm. and um, we're taking it to over 100 pages and our next step is to probably work with a traditional publisher of some sort to take it to a trade paperback mm-hmm. but when it connects to being creative for me as like a producer editor of the comic series I yeah I I, I got the opportunity to sit at home and like build visual worlds yes. with a bunch of my friends. Cool. <laughs> like, and I think, yeah. So I think that's where, like when I'm developing scripts, you know, screenplays, it's like, it's great and I could see it and, yeah. it, you know, and all that, but you don't really get to get to that next level until you go to film it. Right. Um, so in this case, we got to actually build the world, see what it looks like. And then, you know, hopefully at some point, <laughs> we'll be able to also translate that into a series or a film but until then it's just so satisfying Mm -hmm. to do it it's an you know we we didn't actually set out with the intentions of it initially but we ended up hiring an all-female artistic team awesome and we didn't even know that was like not that spot like that there weren't that many at the time so um it's just been like a really, really amazing experience for me as a producer and as a director being a part of something that's so cool like that. That is really, really cool. That's fantastic. And yeah, Ben's a huge comic book fan. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just love, I love the idea of bringing like more women into the comic book space and more female protagonists and like storylines. Very cool. Yeah, Yeah. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're so excited. It, it, it really is like we made a comic book that we would want to read. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Very cool. 
do you have any moments from your career that are really unbelievable moments either where you're like i can't believe this is what i get to do every day or moments where you're like i can't believe this is my job right now that or I'm doing. a yeah. favorite moment. or a favorite moment yeah it, it sounds kind of crazy to say but like every day that yeah. i get paid to do this <laughs> is like the best day of my yeah. life even when it's really hard <laughs> yeah. because i just i i feel so uh grateful to for all of the opportunities that i've yeah. had but i remember one day on the set of shannara chronicles and we were in uh, new zealand and it was the second season and it was the i think we were shooting the battle sequence for the finale mm -hmm. and i just we were in this super remote part of you know the island and I remember walking on the set <laughs> and there were like you know 300 you know plus background plus they yeah. all had you know they were all in like armor and there were horses and there's you know I mean there had to have been a, a thousand people there I like that particular night and I remember walking like getting out of the van and walking to the trailer and just being like hi hi there hello hello <laughs> and then i like got into the trailer and i burst into tears because <laughs> i was like a terrified yeah <laughs> like, you know like oh my god all of these people are like here for this and we are responsible for them right <laughs> like, and then the second part of it was just like i can't believe that this is my job and yeah. it was a night shoot so i knew it was gonna be a long <laughs> right <laughs> but there was just something about that yeah overwhelming like uh -huh. experience of like Oh, you know, and yeah. you know, the wanting to do right for the showrunners and who had given us so much responsibility and protect all the actors and make yeah. sure that they felt seen and safe. And, you know, I, those are the moments I think that I am so grateful that I always kind of can hold on to because it's yeah. a real, it's a real blessing to be able to, to work in this business. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. That's great. I love that. Well, Jess, before we wrap up and talk about our movie, uh, wrap up the interview portion, yes. I should say, what advice do you have for people who are interested in getting into producing, acting, or just, you know, directing the, or just the yeah. entertainment business? Yeah, just the general. entertainment yeah. business in general. My advice to anyone who wants to get into this business is just to know that this is not a job, it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that if it's something that you come at with open arms and that you just kind of like, I'm like, no, like I, no ego. I want to try it, try this and see where it goes. You, you might find that, that there are a lot of things that you don't want to do, Yeah, <laughs> and, but through that, you may find your path. And yeah, that to me, I think is one of those things that I feel like I've learned over the years. I'm always skeptical of people who like oh this is the way this one way to do it or or they they have real uh hard and fast rules i am kind of the person i think is like i'd like to know the rules so then i can figure out you know not necessarily how to break them but to like how to like make them work a little bit more for me sure <laughs> you know and i think that that's something that is really important so i think if you're looking at a career in the entertainment business for all the good things that you have to look forward to you know there there will be things in your life that that may suffer and yeah. you have to kind of figure out what that it means to you and how you want to navigate that
So let's get to our featured film. Today we're discussing the 1998 romantic comedy Sliding Doors. It was written and directed by Peter Howitt, and it stars Gwyneth Paltrow, John Hanna, Gene Triplehorn, and John Lynch. So Susan, can you do us a quick breakdown? What's this movie about? Yeah, so at the beginning of the movie, we meet Helen. Um, she's a PR executive at a company. Pretty much right at the top of the movie, she gets fired from her job. So she's gets pretty upset. She bumps into a guy in the elevator on her way out of the office. He help, like picks up her earring off the ground that fell. Seems like a very inconsequential scene. And then uh, she gets to the subway and the timeline splits. So there is like a sci-fi kind of fantasy element to this movie. It's definitely a romantic comedy, I think, mm -hmm. but um, definitely some sci-fi elements. So the timeline splits. So there's one timeline where she catches the train, uh, meets a guy named James on it, and we see that whole timeline. And then there's another timeline where she misses the train. She leaves the subway, gets uh, someone attempts to mug her, she bumps her head, and that sets off a whole timeline where she stays with her boyfriend, Jerry, who is the worst. <laughs> so we'll kind of start talking about it from there. I love yeah. it. Very good. And Jess, you chose this movie for us to watch today. Why did you choose Sliding Doors? Well, I loved this movie. Like, I remember watching this. Me and my best friend would watch this movie all the time yeah. at college. We were like, this was the one we would put in the VHS player. Um, and, you know, as a side note, I came to find this movie at a flea market. Um, I don't cool. know if you remember the flea markets where oh, like yeah. they used to just have like the blockbuster like boxes yeah. and the they, you know, bin. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, it had Gwyneth Paltrow mm -hmm. on the cover. And so I was like, well, I want, why haven't I heard of this movie? Yeah. So I pulled it out of the bin, paid my dollar or whatever. And I, I remember watching it for the first time and I just loved well, I love the actors and I love John Hanna. He's great. Like, you know, and Gwyneth Paltrow. And I just, there was something about it that the young me was just like, really, this was, the, this was a movie I loved. And, yeah. you know, I think that it was an independent film and it was about these parallel timelines. And I love that. I think that's great storytelling. I mean, obviously it's, you know, a very used storytelling device, mm -hmm. but it's like, whether you go what happens if you go left what happens yeah. if you go right and um just the playing with that and and then the conclusion of it you know I think was something that I just really really love and it had a great soundtrack mm -hmm. yeah too <laughs> like it's probably I still listen to the soundtrack yeah the soundtrack film. very good yeah yeah and I was I've been working on a project you know developing a project that kind of deals with parallel timelines and multiverse in the multiverse and so this film actually just I, I actually referenced this film in a meeting and everybody was like what like people hadn't heard of it and I was like what people haven't heard of sliding doors yeah. like this I love this movie uh -huh. so it, it it led me to ask a lot of my other friends and realize that this isn't a movie that a lot of people really know about yeah. which is a shame so I feel like it's our job today mm -hmm. you know yes. to to expose this film yes, to the world <laughs> absolutely so I do remember I did not see this film when it came out but I do remember seeing the commercials for it on tv partly because there was a song I don't know if anyone remembers the band Aqua they wrote the song Barbie Girl but they wrote a song for this movie that I don't know if it appears in the movie at all but it's on the soundtrack um, it's called Turn Back Time, I think. 
But anyway, there's an Aqua song on the soundtrack, and I was very into Aqua when I was little. <laughs> so that's I why I remember it. this movie, because I listened to that song a million times. This is definitely... So this yeah. is... Yeah, we watched this movie, um, mm-hmm. and this is the first time I've seen it. So thank you for recommending yeah. it, Jess, because it is a delightful yes. film. Yes. And Susan is 100% right that Jerry, her boyfriend in this film, is <laughs> the worst character. The worst. Uh, yeah. He's just awful. So he's cheating on on Helen in both timelines. Yeah. And in one timeline, she finds out about it right away when she gets home. Uh, she catches him. And in the other timeline, she doesn't find out about it until the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And so in both timelines, he is just the worst character. And I constantly want bad stuff to happen to him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, throughout the movie, I mean, Helen is such a, a great character and I love her friend. And they have such awesome. such a nice relationship. And, you know, like her friend's trying to help her through this rough patch in her life. And she has a lot going on. Um, but it's just all about Helen, like trying to take control of her life um, in two different, very, very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really loved both Helen and James, even though John Hannah must be at least twice her age. Um, in, you know, Possibly. In real life. He's much <laughs> right, older. Right. Yeah, I still really bought into that relationship quite mm-hmm. a bit. And even when you think he's a jackass, he turns out not to be a jackass, which yeah. I appreciated. But Helen's a great character throughout. I really liked uh, Gwyneth Paltrow does a great job. It's, yeah, just a delightful film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, who knew that we were going to meet so many Jerry's in our lives? Like, right. Right. you know, dating lives, too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that was so he's he is a despicable character, mm-hmm. but I do think um, you know Gene Triplehorn is so good in this movie. Yeah, like it really like I mean she's fantastic. You know anyway, yeah. and and I really you know I think um, you know Gwyneth Paltrow just does such a nice job playing both sides of mm-hmm. herself in this, yeah. and um, and also like how, I think it was probably years after this that I realized that Gwyneth Paltrow was not British. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> right. When the movie I don't know that her accent is that good. Right. Like, in hindsight, like watching it today. Yeah. <laughs> There's But there... yeah, Ben's like, Gwyneth Paltrow's not British, is she? I was like, no, she's not. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh yeah, she definitely has a British accent in the film. the only scene that really stood out to me is like, oh no, she's not British, was when they get like the scene in the rain on the bridge at the end. Yeah, I mean, they still do. It's still a very relatable story. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though it yeah. has this sort of interesting fantasy element, it's it's certainly a rom-com. Like, it, it falls right into that category. But I will say the ending is very surprising to me. Like, how that one timeline ends. Yeah, I, how I, it all plays I, out. Pretty I dark. Yeah. yeah. I don't even want to say what it is, because yeah. I want people to watch the film. Mm-hmm. But it is very surprising. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because the filmmaker, Peter Howitt, this was his first film. He was a first time writer director. And it was, as I understand it, he actually had an experience like what happens at the end of the film. And that was the genesis of this. Like, you know, and I think that 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 to me, I found so like, you know, because it's an independent film and they made it for like, really, it was a pretty small budget, especially at the time. And I was really drawn as a filmmaker to the kind of storytelling you can do with less, mm-hmm. you know, like they have great actors and, right. you know, and everything in it, but really Gwyneth Paltrow wasn't that well known at the time. No, no. Like none of these actors were. Yeah. yeah that was um, even before Shakespeare in love. And I mean, obviously before everything else after that, mm-hmm. Iron Man and all those. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. And I think there's something about like, 
you know, there, there was just like a looking at it today, you know, and, and uh, it's just like, there is an innovative aspect and quality to it where you're like, it's so simple, but they, it, the acting is so good. And like, they did such a nice job. And even like, you know, when you think about doing fantasy or genre as an independent film, you know, a lot of times people immediately shut you down because it's like, oh, you can't, you don't have the budget for the visual effects or you can't right. do this, or you can't do that. And in this case, really, I mean, the the device to, to take you from one to the other is like a, a nice camera move mm -hmm. or they had like that, you know, kind of cheesy fairy dust yeah. uh, music cue. Right. <laughs> And it, it works like you mm -hmm. kind of like the first couple of times you're like, oh boy, but then it's like, you just kind of accept it as a right. device in the film. Yeah. And I, you know, I really appreciate it. And there's still quotes in there that like, you know, I'll walk around, you know, under my breath saying bullocks to him, bullocks to him. Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, nobody expects a Spanish Inquisition. Right. And, yeah. You know, Monty Python, like, right. like that. But there are a lot of Monty Python references yeah. in this film, yeah. which I appreciate. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I love that the the pivotal moment where the timeline splits is such a benign moment. It's like getting on or not getting on the subway. Um, it didn't have to be this huge pivotal, like huge event. It was just like this little thing. And then the two different trajectories right. sprung off from it. Right. I mean, this movie is full of delightful mm -hmm. and sad and all these different kind of moments. Uh, Jess, do you have a moment that stands out to you as your favorite moment from the film? Well, I think the the moment on the bridge mm -hmm. at the end is just like, oh, like there's just so much in that. And I think, you know, from a personal standpoint, just that thing of like, just being brutally honest with someone yeah. that you love, like yeah. that, that's, that's the big takeaway for me is like, once they finally like, you know, really tell their truths, mm -hmm. it's like, that's the, that's where the soulmate you know, aspect kind of comes in. Yeah. And I, I really always appreciated that. It's like no hold back, you yeah. know, and, and it's beautiful and there's rain and yeah, you know, yeah, it's totally. great. Susan, do you have a favorite moment? Um, that is, I really like that moment. One moment I thought was really fun is the boat race, the like oarsman scene where they're on the river. Yeah, the and rowing, yeah. One Gwyneth Paltrow is cheering and the other one's walking along and being like, I somehow knew this was happening today. I knew they were going to do a boat race in purple yeah. and white shirts. And I'm like, oh, that's such a cool way to show. Like these are separate timelines, but somehow they're interacting. Like right. there's some connection between them. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. That's so true because I think that's the first time in the movie too where yeah. they use that, where it's like, they're just they're riding the line like the right. veil is very thin yeah yeah <laughs> and it, it reminded me of like those moments yeah when you were like I feel like I've been here before yeah yes the <laughs> like, what movie. timeline is <laughs> yes when am I here <laughs> yeah so that's that's a good one yeah fantastic did you have a favorite one I think there are a lot of really great moments, but mm -hmm. I, I do finally love and she finally tells Jerry to leave. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, finally, like you can move on from that relationship and it's finally over. And she's like, he's like, I'll do whatever you want. And she's like, OK, I want you to get up, walk out the door and close it. You know, it's like, yes, finally, like, yeah, you're finally taking control. And then, of course, <laughs> the film ends on a happy note. Yeah. Um, but when, yeah, when we were watching this movie, the scene where Jerry's going to the library and um, which 
viewer or listeners couldn't see I did air quotes there um because he wasn't really going to the library but and she goes out to follow him as soon as you see her step out to follow him we were watching and Ben goes yeah get his ass like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like yeah catch him (laughs) it's really funny well and his um and his best friend who like is like the comedic relief and like dungeon great like that guy doesn't get enough credit no yeah. he doesn't he's really good he's very Russell, good. yeah russell yeah. yes i think all the side characters are so interesting in this i mean even lydia who's, yeah. who's the woman who's like you know she's just insane um <laughs> and at the same time it's like but a really strong character but a like, strong yeah. character it's about the writing like yes. this film is Yes. This film works because the writing is is done well. It's yeah. so good. Well, thank you for indulging me. No, oh, we loved it. It was fun. Movie. We like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling the movie genre Sham Jam. When you look up movies on IMDb, they assign each film movie genres. Sometimes they make sense, and sometimes they don't make as much sense. Uh, but we're going to see how well both of you know movies based on their IMDb genres. So, Jessica, you'll be, be playing against Susan. <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> <laughs> so here are the rules. One at a time, I'm going to give you a well-known film and a list of their IMDb movie genres. But one of them is not real. You have to tell me the sham or fake genre. You will both have one minute to identify as many as you can. And the person who names the most wins our prize. So, Susan, what's our prize? Our prize is some Life in the Credits merchandise. Yeah. Sure. Oh, all right. Very high stakes. <laughs> yes. Obviously, uh, you know, it, you're in it to win it, right, yeah. Jess? Oh, I am, but I'm really bad at trivia. So I'm <laughs> like, you know, I'm just going to say up front, like, I'm not like, if you want me on a softball team or a trivia team, like, you know, it's got to be real low expectations. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm also very bad at these trivia games. So we are evenly matched. Yeah. And, at, and right after this game, we're starting a, a softball league. So it's <laughs> Which I'm oh, also great, bad great. at. <laughs> All right. Well, Jess, you've chosen to go first. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. As soon as I'm going to start naming movies, I'm going to also start the time. So here we go. And your first movie is Slotting Doors. The categories are comedy, drama, fantasy, or thriller, which is not correct. Thriller. Correct. Back to the Future, adventure, teen drama, comedy, and sci-fi. Comedy? I'm sorry. That is not correct. Gone with the Wind. Family, drama, history, or romance? Family. Correct. Hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home. Action, adventure, fantasy, or comedy? Comedy. Correct. The Mighty Ducks. Comedy, drama, animation, or family? Animation. Correct. Gladiator. Action, biography, Adventure, drama. Biography? Correct. And finally, <laughs> Toy Story. Is that animation, western, adventure, or comedy? Comedy. I'm sorry, that's not correct. So the two you missed. <laughs> that's hard. That's really hard. <laughs> that last one in particular. You, you missed two, but you got five right. Okay. So the uh, first one was Back to the Future. 
Um, the correct answer was it's not a teen drama. Oh, it kind of is. Though. Oh, it, yeah. It is, <laughs> but that's not according to IMDb. And then right. Toy Story, it's not a Western. But you're not, right yeah i, it's I, I not, get it i get it splitting it's, hairs yeah it's got a cowboy in it he talks about snakes <laughs> <laughs> is that what qualifies as a western That's what it qualifies in my mind <laughs> yeah i agree i'm with you <laughs> i love that you got six right so great job thank you all right are we ready yes susan your time starts now okay Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Is that adventure, comedy, fantasy, or music? I think music is incorrect. Correct. Okay. Argo. Is that disaster, biography, drama, or thriller? Oh. Disaster? Correct. Okay. Pitch Perfect. Is that comedy, music, crime, or romance? I guess crime? Correct. Get Out. Is that comedy? Horror, mystery, or thriller? Oh. Mystery? Incorrect. Okay. Casablanca. Is that drama, romance, war, or sci-fi? Sci-fi. Correct. Shakespeare in Love. Is that comedy, drama, biography, or history? Uh, Biography? Correct. All right, so the one you missed. Am I at five? You're at five. Oh, am I done already? Which means just wins, just wins. Yeah. The one you missed was Get Out uh, Comedy is not on its IMDb page. Oh, but like. Yeah, I mean, there are comedic (laughs) elements. It's not an easy game, but Jessica won it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we both won. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jess, thanks for joining us today. This was great. Uh, Would you like to plug anything before we let you go? Well, I have the, my comic book Reburn is in its final Kickstarter right now. And we're in our last few days of the Kickstarter. So if you like comics, you like an all-female team, you like kick-ass post-apocalyptic content, then definitely check it out on Kickstarter. Awesome. Very good. Well, thanks for joining us. This has been really, really fun. We appreciate it, Jess. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, too. (laughs) Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. It's got a cowboy in it. He talks about snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what qualifies as a Western? That's what it qualifies in my mind. <laughs>